Welcome to the Science of Beers podcast with me, Michael McGee. Talking science and drinking beers with researchers down at the pub. So join us with a brew and let's cheers to science. Welcome to the penultimate episode of the Science and Beers podcast. A season where I've had the pleasure of working with the Danish Institute for Advanced Study. And each episode I had a member of the Institute on the podcast and we've covered a a real a real range of topics. DS is all about interdisciplinary research. So they're brilliant minds from multiple different uh, departments and different research areas. But the idea behind DS is that they all work together or talk together and share ideas. So it's it's great to to tap into the minds of the members of DS in this in this season. As we're drawing a close to the season, it would be really great to get some feedback in to what you've thought. If you listen to a few episodes, if you listen to one episode, there is a link in the description to a Google Docs where uh, I've made a, a few questions and you have the opportunity to, to let me know what you've thought about the, the podcast anonymously. This episode has been out in the field, you could say. I took the train over to Copenhagen to visit the Euro Fan Zone, which is a huge area dedicated to the Euro 2020 competition. I did that because I'm talking to a researcher who's looking into the health benefits of football, and he's been doing that for many years. Professor Peter Krustrup is a Chair of Health Sciences at the Danish Institute for Advanced Study. He's also Professor of Sport and Health Science at the Department of Sports Science and Clinical Biomechanics at the University of Southern Denmark. He's an honorary visiting professor at the University of Exeter and Shanghai University of Sport in China. For the past 15 years, Peter has produced, together with his international collaborators, 150 peer-reviewed articles, all about various aspects of football, mainly regarding the health benefits. So he's looking into different subgroups, so for example, overweight children, older people, or uh, people recovering from breast or prostate cancer. And he's really shown that just how beneficial it is in multiple aspects for these people, and all people in fact, to get out and get involved in, in football. As well as being a researcher, publishing high-impact papers, Peter is also a UEFA pro-licensed football coach and he's currently working as a fitness coach for the Danish women's national team. And he's a, a big footballer himself in his spare time. As well as talking to Peter, I uh, also interviewed some of the over 65 football players who happened to be playing a match at the Eurofan Zone. And these were these were people that, uh, that Peter has... Uh, has worked with Ausa, the team captain, and uh, Susanna and Robert, who are uh, in their in their seventies. I'm going to start with letting uh, Ausa, uh, a, a over sixty five team captain, speak about her experiences, and then I'll uh, start the interview with Peter. If you like this podcast, please help us spread the word, recommend it to a friend, share it on social media. Or give it a review on whatever app you're using to listen to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael McGee. Cheers to science. I just saw your team play a match there. It, yes. it's, it's, we're totally involved. It, it seemed like there were moments of aggression. There was a back and forth from end to end. There were yes. goals. Yes. Uh, it seemed like you guys were really involved. Yes. What, what is your name and what is the name of your team? My name is Ose, yeah. and uh, the name of the team is in Danish Vomsehold, in English, Granny Team. The Granny Team. team yes. <laughs> we are all um, past 60 years. Uh -huh. I am 73. 73. Yes, and most of them are about that. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I must say, you are all looking very, very fit and healthy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the way you were running around the pits there. Yes. So when did the mumps hold? When did the when did the team start? In uh, 2014. 2014. Yes. Okay. First October 2014, I started this team because 
in the, in, the, in the springtime in 2040, I had uh, high blood pressure, uh -huh. and uh, I found out that I, the medicine was not good for me. And uh, I saw some men in the television talking about that football is very good for diabetes, cancer, and high blood pressure. Yeah. And uh, then I decided to play football. And I knew a little bit about Peter at that time because he was a trainer for a coach for my uh, granddaughter. And uh, I said to my daughter, ask Peter to make a granny team. Yeah. And uh, his, uh, his wife is uh, arranged in the DBU in Denmark. And she contacted that, that's me. That's a national football association. Yes, yes. And she contacted me and uh, helped me to organize uh, how to play and and, uh, and how to to yes to organize it in and out uh, yeah. the uh, playing. Yeah. So um, so uh, and and the first October we started. We were seven women at that yeah. time, and uh, the I think about the 12th of January 2015. There came 12 men yeah. started. So on the, today we are 69. 69 people. Persons. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, most women. You mentioned you started in 2014 because you had high blood pressure. Have yes. you noticed a change in your health since then? The blood pressure is normal. Yeah. And uh, I get no medicine at all. And some eight, of them eight years ago, and your blood pressure yes. is more healthy than it was eight yes. years ago. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I know some of the other girls yeah. have the same problem. But by the looks of it though, sometimes on the pitch your blood pressure could get a little high. Yes. But that's that's short term. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so um, it, is, it is very healthy and uh, therefore I would, I'd like to um, inspire uh, other people to play this game yeah. because it is so healthy. So, and, and this is good, it is healthy and it needs to be fun. Yeah. This combination. It's good. Fantastic. Also, thanks very much for, for chatting to me. You're welcome. So, I, I'm standing here in, in Copenhagen, in Ophelia Place. We're in the Euro fan zone, and it's a huge area. There's not even a football match on today, but this place just screams football. There's, there's people playing street football. There's football on large televisions. There's pictures of football. There's graffiti of football. And in front of me, there's a, a small football pitch, and there's some people playing football. I would say that they're over over 65s having a, having fun and a kick butt. I'm also standing beside Professor Peter Kristrup. Now, Peter, Europe is screaming football at the moment. It's, it's the Euros. The, the whole country of Denmark is united as the country goes into the. The knockout phase of the, the competition, but your research is to say that football is, is much more than than, than a, a fun kickabout. You're actually looking into football as a medicine. That's correct. And uh, yes, uh, football is medicine. Uh, football is for all, and football is for life. Danes yeah. are very very passionate about all types of football. And uh, my research, with now more than 200 uh, scientific articles related to, to football, uh, covers uh, football for children, football for untrained adults, football for elderly, and uh, football for patients. How, how exactly does that work? You've actually got evidence to show that, that football is, is healthy for, for example, the people in front of us here. We have a, a group of over 65s that are playing football together. Yes, we started out uh, with pilot projects uh, some 15 years ago showing that football is a broad spectrum uh, training type uh, actually uh, encompassing both uh, endurance training uh, aerobic high intensity training and strength training and basically uh, it can be organized in a very simple manner just uh, uh, conducting a, a proper warm-up with the balance and strength exercises then uh, pair-based uh, drills and then small-sided football and it's it's fantastic that uh, such a popular and such a social uh, and such a uh, an easy and accessible game is uh, enormously healthy. And uh, as I said, we started out with pilot projects, then we moved on to randomized control trials in 2007 and uh, con conducted and then finalized the first review in, in 2010. And uh, yeah, uh, a lot of things has happened since then. And now this is a global movement uh, for researchers, but it's also a global movement in terms of uh, 
of uh, creating and developing and uh, evidence-basing concepts that can be used for various uh, groups of football players around the globe. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I'm noticing something that we're missing, Peter. So before we have a chat, can, can we walk over to the bar? At of Euro course Zone? we can. This is a perfect place, you know. Fans uh, like football and uh, fans uh, like uh, beer, so, uh, well, so in, in this area it's, it's <laughs> certainly possible to, uh, the, well, the listeners to, the to have a beer. Podcast, they, they, they certainly like beer at least. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm fascinated with the fact that, uh, that, uh, that you're, you're researching into football. You know, I, football is, is, is everywhere. I grew up with a lot of football. It's, it's like the number one sport back in Ireland. It's the it's, uh, number one sport around the world. Whenever I was at school, my career's class, I never said I could be a researcher into football. <laughs> but that's what you're doing. Basically, I started up as, a, as an exercise physiologist. Yeah. And, uh, and my PhD, with uh, 13 scientific articles, uh, did not mention uh, football uh, with one word. So yeah. uh, I was brought up in, uh, in the old uh, scientific tradition that uh, most training studies were conducted in the lab with bicycle exercise, uh, running exercise, maybe walking exercise. But that was uh, not enough for me. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I've always been uh, very active with various types of sports, mostly uh, team sports, and uh, I was a football player from the, from the age of five. And uh, I knew uh, from the age of 15, when I became a coach for the first time for, for, for a girls' team, that uh, football is something special uh, in a way, that it combines different types of training and uh, that it uh, promotes uh, yeah, camaraderie and uh, fun. And uh, when I became a researcher and uh, learned all the methodologies that, that could make it possible to, to investigate uh, football and other team sports, uh, that was what I did. And, uh, and uh, that has really developed from there. Yeah. Well, what, what would you like to drink? Would you like a Carlsberg or no, a Heineken? I guess it's Heineken or Heineken here. <laughs> Usually I would prefer a Carlsberg, but Heineken <laughs> is, uh, is, is fine for today. Two Heinekens, please. And this is also a, a part of the social aspect. Football, it brings people together through teams, but this, this is what beers do as well. And, for sure, and, and for that's, sure. That's why it's science and beers. We, we like to, to bring science out into a social setting to be able to talk about science. And make uh, it normal to, 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 to have a nerdy conversation. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a part of it. And the, what we call usually call the third half. Uh, the, the social aspects uh, after the training <laughs> yeah. is, is quite important and maybe just as important as the first and second half. But, but uh, the, the most important thing is that uh, don't, I have to say, don't skip the first and the second half. Uh, you have to uh, participate in, in the football training and then it's okay to, to drink a beer afterwards. Yeah. Then, then you can still uh, become much healthier uh, than if you did not participate in any sport. Well, so cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. And you know, that was what I did today. I played with the uh, Plus uh, 65 team from uh, my hometown, Frederiksund, and we had uh, good fun and a lot of exercise. I'm pretty sweaty now. And so uh, just to say that I've done yeah. my exercise today, so it's okay uh, for well, me I, to drink a beer. I, I watched you play, actually. I watched you score a couple of goals there, but I never actually uh, stepped into the ring myself. <laughs> it's, it's been a very long time since I, since I played football. Uh, the, the, the exercise that I do would be, would be boxing. Okay, so, yeah. And, uh, it, it That's a good interval training as well, yeah. uh, for sure. So and you have the strength, you have a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the cardio and the strength. Yeah, yeah. The heart rates, the heart rate really comes up, and uh, you got the the impact mm -hmm. from uh, from uh, from the muscles, but also from from the ground action, and you got many of the same aspects in football because when um, when we pass the ball, when we dribble, when we make shots, when we score goals. But also when we lose the ball, we have to turn around, we have yeah. to change the direction, we have to choose, uh, change the intensity. And that's an important part of, the, of uh, I would say, the, the, the secret behind the enormous uh, physiological effects is yeah. that it's an uh, intermittent sport and it's a very versatile yeah. sport. And, so you're, uh, saying and you're running very fast and you suddenly stop, yeah, you're yeah. putting pressure on your, your muscles, on your skeleton. And, and that's what uh, provides the, the, the training. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've, uh, along with my research group at the University of Southern Denmark, along with more than 200 colleagues uh, around the globe, uh, I've contributed to more than 100 articles specifically looking into football as a, as a health-enhancing uh, activity. And um, 
and, and all the research we have conducted uh, clearly shows that football is very, very effective, effective in terms of uh, increasing cardiovascular, uh, cardiopulmonary uh, health, uh, increasing uh, metabolic health, but also musculoskeletal health. Uh -huh. So for sure, uh, it can be used uh, for a number of lifestyle diseases in terms of preventing lifestyle diseases, but also in terms of uh, treating lifestyle diseases. Uh, when we're talking about people with osteopenia, uh, football can for sure increase uh, bone strength and bone mineralization. When we talk about people with, uh, with problems with uh, their balance and their muscle strength, uh, football is, uh, is the answer. When we're talking about uh, obese uh, children, uh, obese un untrained adults, uh, football can be part of, uh, of the answer. And when we're talking about hypertension and, and, uh, and uh, pre-diabetes, uh, football can for sure be uh, the answer or one of the answers. So uh, a lot of uh, important, uh, uh, I would say milestone uh, research has shown that uh, a fun and social sporting activity can be used uh, as a, a cornerstone in the uh, non-pharmacological uh, treatment of lifestyle diseases. So we walk back over to, sure. to close to the, sure. to the, to the pitch. Uh, I'm curious, the, the actual mechanism there, like the, the fact that you're putting strain on your muscles, you're putting strain on your skeleton, does that then encourage the cells to uh, repair themselves or to strengthen themselves? Or, or Yes, it does. It, it, is it a case if you don't use it, you lose it? Yeah. You have to uh, use it, and uh, basically the higher intensity, the better, mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, of uh, improving uh, your bone mineralization, in terms of improving your muscle strength, uh, increasing your muscle mass, and also improving your postural balance. That requires uh, heart training, but obviously also um, a good balance between uh, exercise and rest, uh, between uh, training and recovery. So um, our recommendations for uh, the general untrained uh, population is just two times 60 minutes per week with football fitness, with football training. Regardless and, uh, of age? Regardless of age, the, uh, the normal recommendations for, uh, for, for untrained um, and sedentary uh, people across the lifespan is two times 60 minutes per week, yep. which is enough to uh, improve uh, your VO2 max by an average of 11% over just three months of training. VO2 max would be? VO2 max, the maximal aerobic uh, power. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it increases the, uh, uh, the heart function, uh, the blood volume, uh, the uh, cardiac uh, function uh, to an extent that increases the the maximum oxygen uptake a lot. At the same time, uh, it's enough to um, to um, have a, a huge drop in blood pressure, just two times uh, uh, 60 minutes per week for 12 to 16 weeks. It lowers the blood pressure for normal intensive by more than five millimeters of mercury. And for hypertensive uh, patients uh, with mild to moderate hypertension, it decreases the blood pressure by almost 10 millimeters of mercury in just three to six months of training, two times 60 minutes per week. So that's as effective as, uh, as uh, pills against hypertension. Well, it, it's, it's, more, uh, it's more fun and long-lasting than pills. Pills, you have to constantly take them with, uh, with, with, exactly. with six months of exercise. How long would, be, would the effects be? I mean, it's very important to continue. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and for, for, the, for the players that are on the pitch right now, yep. uh, they started out, uh, the captain, with hypertension herself and she used football to, to treat the hypertension. And uh, that was very successful. And she also created an atmosphere around the football training that make people adhere to football. So now, um, five years later, uh, a, a total of 70 elderly yeah. are playing each single week year round. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's fantastic. And uh, that's so important that you create an atmosphere uh, around the football training so that people uh, continue well, well, and uh, that is a successful uh, strategy. They're, they're, I'm, they're 65 plus, some of them are plus 70, plus 80. Yeah, they even I'm, have a goalkeeper uh, which has uh, the nickname Michael. Uh, uh -huh. 87. 87? <laughs> 87, yeah. Wow, and they're running around the pitch, they seem really, <laughs> really healthy. Yeah. They're really into it, they're really, they're laughing. And you can hear them and, yeah. cheering and laughing and yeah. Uh, yeah. that's uh, amazing. And they're and good as well. They, 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 they are. They, they go into the ball. You know, they're not uh, afraid of getting stuck in. For sure, for sure. Yeah.
And uh, yeah, my wife and I uh, started the team along with Ose, the, mm. the captain, uh, five years ago. And uh, it has just been uh, a fantastic experience to, to follow the team. Um, and now you see the football players everywhere in, in my hometown. Yeah. The, the plus 65 football players yeah. are everywhere. Just, Going shopping with their football uh, shirts. Yeah, uh, and, uh, well, well, they have their own. They really, have their own top. They're on really as well. petty and they, so. they, they're really uh, happy and, and uh, proud, proud as well. Proud, to be part proud of the, for, part sure, of the for sure. They are because that, that also speaks to the to the mental health aspects of it. If you're part of a team, uh, that's also on a broader scale. If you have a, if you support a football club, you know you're part of that team. It, it makes you part of the community, which is good for mental health. For sure. Uh, I mean the the social uh, mental aspects, uh, the the well-being effects of uh, of uh, a team sport is uh, basically also very uh, well described now. Uh, I mean I'm a, I'm an exercise physiologist myself, but uh, more than ten years ago I realized that that you have to bring in um, uh, psychologists, you have to bring in sociologists, yeah, uh, and and uh, to bring bring in uh, people from the medical world to uh, to strengthen and broaden the research in football, and, uh, and 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 now we know for sure that it has a a number uh, of effects uh, on the physiological side, but for sure also on the mental health and uh, and social well-being. Well, that really speaks to your to your um, membership of, of DS. The Danish Institute for Advanced Study, uh, who I'm doing this, this season of the podcast with the interdisciplinary exactly. aspect of, exactly. of the research. Exactly. And that's yeah, probably one of the reasons why I was chosen as a, as a chair for, yeah. for Diaz, because uh, I have a long history of uh, close collaboration with uh, other disciplines, and yeah. uh, we're doing uh, interdisciplinary research or, or multidisciplinary uh, research in, in many of, uh, of the studies that I'm doing. So when we are um, investigating uh, the optimal concept uh, of football for school children, for obese children, for for um, for, for uh, young people, uh, adolescents that have uh, social problems, etc., or are too aggressive. Uh, when we're looking into the use of football for various patient groups, um, we are interesting interested in uh, covering. Um, many types, many aspects uh, regarding the organization of play and the uh, effects of, of, of the football interventions. And this is what we've done uh, in a concept called 11 for Health uh, for school children. We are combining uh, small sided football and, uh, and uh, innovative drills with health education. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, that's, that's one way to bring in other disciplines and, and, uh, and, and other aspects into football and use the popularity of football to uh, not only improve uh, the health and the well-being, but also the learning of, of school children. You have footballers as role models, and we saw this a couple of weeks ago whenever Cristiano Ronaldo removed a couple of Coke bottles, Coca-Cola bottles from, uh, from yeah, a, did a press indeed. conference. And <laughs> yeah. I thought the, the, the world news blew up after that. And, and that makes a lot of sense because you have a lot of kids that would look up to Cristiano Ronaldo. And, and, they, and, I mean, and, and Coca-Cola, a Coca-Cola bottle has 50 grams of sugar in it. <laughs> it, it, it has, and uh, I mean, one of the health messages in, in 11 for health, we have 11 weeks of, uh, of twice-weekly 45-minute uh, sessions. Uh, each week we have a play football uh, part and we have a play fair part. And with one specific uh, topic every week, and uh, in one of the weeks it's uh, drink water. Yeah. Not fishy drinks. Uh-huh. So uh, basically, we have a, a perfect ambassador for, for, yeah. for, for that part of the program. And, and so, Eleven for Health is a project that, that's targeting children and trying to educate them and educate them about the world, about uh, social issues, and yeah, yeah. about how to live a healthy life. Exactly. So uh, three of the, uh, the messages, three weeks of uh, training relates to uh, physical activity. Uh, three, another three weeks about uh, healthy and varied diet. Another two weeks about the well-being and uh, respecting each other, with focus on on uh, gender issues in those countries that have problems, uh, specific problems with that. Uh, in Brazil, for example, in some countries in Africa, it's it's not uh, as normal as it is in Denmark for for girls to participate in, in football sessions with boys. Mm. And we always have uh, football sessions uh, with mixed gender, and we always have uh, football sessions with. Uh, with mixed gender also for the coaches um, and then uh, likewise we, we look into uh, unhealthy habits uh, related to uh, alcohol and tobacco etc. Um, 
elite footballers of today, they, they do not... Uh, they do not smoke, for example. No, they, they did some no. 30 years ago. Yeah. But they they don't, don't do that now. They live in a healthy manner. And football players are, are drinking water and eating fruit and, and some pasta after their training sessions and matches. They don't drink Coca-Cola. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's uh, quite important for, for us uh, that we deliver those messages in the schools, but also that the football players sometimes they uh, stand up for, for, uh, for, yeah. for a healthy lifestyle. Well, well that is interesting. Like, how football has changed, and uh, you know, maybe they, they used to drink and smoke a lot, a lot more than they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are you able to see a, a difference in their performance output now because of their change in, in health? I mean, football has always been a, a, a physically hard game. Mm. Uh, a lot of uh, high-intensity running, a lot of total distance covered, also in the 80s and the 90s. But uh, we've recently compared football uh, back when Denmark was the European champion in 1992 and the football of today and uh, yeah we have uh, more than 50% uh, more than 50% increase in the uh, amount of high intensity running above 15 kilometers per hour and uh, a similar increase in the number of sprints performed in the game at the same time uh, we have an increase in average ball speed uh, by 15% and uh, an increase in the number of passes by 30 to 40 uh, uh, percent. So, so now 15 passes per minute uh, yeah. rather than uh, 11, 12 passes per minute. So the, the game is much faster. It's um, basically much more demanding, but, but um, because of uh, an improved training, mm -hmm. because of an improved recovery, because of the use of scientific knowledge in mm -hmm. football, it's possible to... Uh, to uh, for the players to, to play at that intensity rather yeah. frequently. Well, it, it, I remember looking at football whenever I was young, and I'm talking about British Premier League here, and uh, it was very rough, like uh, physically rough. Yeah. You know, yeah. Roy Keane and, uh, and uh, who do you call it, Vinnie Jones, that were, that were uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty known to be violent. And, but there was also this kind of culture of like kicking the ball as hard as you can up the pitch and then running after it uh, a lot. Kick and rush. Uh, you know, I, I was a, I was a professor in uh, Exeter in yeah. the southwest of England for for quite a while, and I I looked into the, the local football team uh, Exeter, but also uh, the local rugby team, and uh, yeah, they got a lot of inspiration from uh, from rugby basically in how <laughs> in how they played, and uh, yeah, it the football, especially in the Premier League and and, and other tough leagues, has always been very focused on uh, on. A, High intensity running, but also on uh, the duels, or the, uh, the the tackling, yeah. uh, the uh, the headers, etc. And that has been quite tough for for many many years. But now, the the game is faster, much more uh, high pressing, much more repressing. Yeah, more much, much, tiki, tiki, tiki taka. Yeah. You know, the, the the Barcelona tactic that, that kind of. There are so many tactics, and, yeah. and actually in 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 this Euro uh, we see that uh, there's a tactical flexibility that challenges the, the physical capacity in many ways. So, so uh, the, the, the top players, they are basically what we call multi-athletes. They are uh, world uh, champions in intermittent running, and they are very fast and they are very strong, uh, but not as fast as strong as, 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 as the sprinters or the weightlifters, mm -hmm. but they have to be multi-athletes because they have to have so many, so many capacities at the same time. But, yeah. but they are world champions in intermittent exercise, and uh, and that is very interesting, uh, and also I would say very uh, encouraging for for uh, for the spectators. I was in uh, Parkland the other night yeah. with my whole family, watching Denmark uh, beating uh, Russia. Oh, that must have been four to uh, one, yeah. and uh, it was an amazing experience. And you know, 5.5 million people in Denmark beating 400 million uh, Russians uh, <laughs> in a way that's fantastic. And um, and. Um, one of the former top uh, politicians asked me on the television the other night, how, how can that be? How can that happen that such a small country can, can beat the big countries? And we don't have uh, one hour to explain, but yeah. uh, for, for, for sure it's important to, uh, to, to use the knowledge that we have. And a, a part of the success is that the, the Danish coaches, they know that they have to bring in uh, experts to, uh, to, to, to gain those percentages around training, around preparations, around mental uh, well-being, etc. And, and they do that really well. Psychologists, exactly. trainers. Exactly. And they do that really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, whether whether people like football or not, this uh, Euro tournament has been quite dramatic this past couple of weeks. In particular, whenever Danish footballer, 29-year-old Christian Eriksen, fell after a cardiac arrest uh, in a game against Finland two weeks ago, he actually died on the pitch and was resuscitated. Uh, I, I think, I think because of that, if anybody's looking at the Euros, Denmark has a sympathy vote. People want Denmark to win because, because of uh, what the team must be going through. But how, how common would, would something like this be in, in high-intensity sport? It's uh, a very, very rare phenomenon. Um, my um, close colleague, the German team doctor Tim Meyer, is making a global registry mm. about cardiac arrests and, and cardiac issues for football players. And uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's very rare um, and um, it's, it's, it's obviously very sad that it happened uh, to one of our players. It's, it's sad every time it happens. Um, there are very f only very few cases in, uh, in the history of uh, elite football with such uh, incidents. Uh, uh, an African player died 10 years ago and uh, after that uh, incident um, um, the whole strategy about how to uh, how to prevent and how to uh, cope with cardiac arrest changed and uh, FIFA um, uh, really uh, took um, a lot of initiatives uh, to educate uh, people to have um, the equipment on the pitches that would um, enable uh, a fast recovery, and uh, and I mean, it was really scary, and um, and um, but but um, the treatment was uh, fast, and the treatment was uh, good, and the staff uh, did an excellent job, and our national hospital is only 500 meters away so he was in good hands and was, he's now was, actually recovering it's uh, really amazing that he it is that, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a, a positive story in the end the fact that he he, he came back yeah and uh, the fact that he came back and uh, and also yeah that, that, that must be affecting the the players uh, emotionally mm -hmm. you know but yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're recording this here on the 24th of, of June. On the 26th, Denmark play Wales, so we'll see if the team goes further. We have a good chance. I actually. think so, against we Wales. We have yeah. a good chance, and, uh, and you know, but um, and, um, I, I, I think uh, that we will be doing well. We have a lot of uh, tactical flexibility, a lot of uh, players uh, that are strong physically, that can cope with... Uh, a strong Welsh defence, mm -hmm. and we also have some 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 strong defenders um, that uh, will be trying to cope with Bale and Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, but it's a tough game, and um, yeah, All, I'm expecting a close game. And uh, as you probably know, I, I uh, wrote my UEFA Pro license uh, about the extra time, and you know yeah. when we are coming into the knockout phase of, of the Euros with 15 knockout games. Uh, there will be five, six, seven uh, occasions with extra time and uh, it's so important for, for the teams to cope with that uh, physically, tactically, mentally, to uh, have a good chance in, in getting medals in the Euros. In the later stages there's going to be extra time because there's maybe people throw themselves too much into a tackle, people are, might get injured because they've already played too many games or so many games. Is that the reason because of the, the expected extra extra time? I mean, um, nowadays um, there is a long recovery between matches and mm -hmm. uh, that's a big help for the players. Our research uh, on elite players shows that after a very tough game, it takes three to four days for full recovery, for glycogen uh, resynthesis, for uh, recovery regarding uh, muscle strength and, uh, and also uh, and also soreness. So um, football, modern football is very tough and uh, it's a very good thing that there are five days between the Russian game and the Welsh game and another seven days until we uh, have to play the uh, the quarterfinal uh, against... Uh, You're saying that confidently. <laughs> 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 against Holland, hopefully, and uh, then we'll see. We, uh, we, 
we are expecting some really tough games, some uh, passionate games and some interesting games and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, extra time will be important. Uh, when Portugal uh, won the, uh, the European Championship now five years ago, they had to um, get through three extra times. Mm -hmm. uh, to win the the, wow. uh, the final and uh, actually in in the final in extra time against France uh, three substitutes uh, made the final goal so Moutinho played Charisma and uh, Charisma played Eda uh, a pretty unknown player and uh, and he scored the final goal in the, in the tournament so maybe the Danish substitutes can uh, make the difference for for Denmark in, yeah. uh, in, in the knockout round some fresh legs on the yeah, pitch yeah. in the later stages exactly uh, I remember uh, United winning the trip travel in 1999 and it was an extra time with uh, Ole Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer coming on scoring the scoring a goal in the last minute yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and United won the travel actually there had, has been um, 35 goals and extra time by substitutes in, in the history of, uh, of the World Cup and the, the Euros and the Champions League yeah. football and I've, I've studied that yeah. as part of my research in elite football. Uh, I also looked into uh, top class players and how they tried to cope with extra time, how they had a 40% uh, 40 de 40 uh, decrease in uh, the amount of high intensity running and sprinting mm -hmm. uh, at the end of extra time compared to the first 15 minutes of the game and uh, that was uh, interesting to see and also that substitutes they ran 75% more high intensity running mm -hmm. uh, than those that were in the starting 11 and uh, they actually had um, uh, three times more challenges and three times more shots at goal uh, compared to those that started the game yeah. so so the, the the modern game is so intense that uh, 90 minutes is uh, fatiguing and demanding and 120 minutes is terrible yeah. for, for the that's players that, so hurt. so when we are looking into uh, to, to this tournament the, the possibility of having five substitutions in 90 minute games and six substitutions in uh, 120 minutes games will definitely have a big impact on, on the results yeah. and um, yeah and how it's used. So, so yeah. we, we, we talked earlier on about uh, where football was a couple of decades ago, where it is now. Where do you think it's, it's going to be in, in 10 years' time with regards, uh, you know, the, the speed, the performance of the athletes? Uh, it will increase further. Uh -huh. uh, it will be uh, even more intense uh, than it is now. The importance of substitutions and the, the importance of utilizing the physical capacity of the players, uh, all playing positions will be more important. The use of uh, expert knowledge uh, will be more important. Um, the use of big data, uh, using uh, tracking technology during training and, and games, uh, using uh, optimal technologies related to investigating the injury pattern and the load, load pattern. Uh, and also, um, obviously, um, uh, looking into uh, optimal recovery uh, for the players because over the last 30 years, uh, the tournament program and the number of international games has increased uh, a lot. So uh, the tournaments, the, the, the competitive season is very long uh, and very demanding. You know that from, from the UK, yeah. uh, they are playing almost year round and uh, that's a big challenge for the players. And, uh, and you have to know a lot about how to um, organize uh, training, how to uh, organize recover, recovery in order to, to prolong the careers for those players. Uh, it's quite uh, seldom to see a player like Cristiano Ronaldo at the age of 36 or Slatan Ibrahimovic at the age of 39 and Messi 33 mm -hmm. to, uh, to cope uh, with such a, a tough program and to stay at your peak uh, performance for so many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to have a lot of knowledge, a lot of systematic strategies, and a lot of professionalism to, to cope with that. And uh, that'll be important in well, the future. About, about that recovery, so I hear about cold ice baths, and you mentioned sauna just a, a, a short time ago. Mm -hmm. are, are these extremes of temperature, or is that the way to, to get your muscles to, no, to repair? Not much, uh, not much evidence. Uh, is um, is pointing in that direction. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, we know for sure from uh, from meta analysis that um, 
the, the most important aspects related to recovery after football matches is uh, yeah, uh, the physical fitness itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the age has an importance. Uh, acute uh, recovery is related to uh, sleep ah. and to glycogen uh, uh, replenishment. Uh, that is, uh, that is uh, what we have the most strong evidence okay. around. And then a lot of different strategies that may may not help, and that many of them are used uh, yeah. anyway in order to to gain a few percentages. But but the evidence is not that strong, and um, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of strategies uh, has not been uh, proven uh, to be effective. I, I want to go back because it was over 65s, and we had some some 80 year olds playing football there, and they were they were full of life. They were really getting stuck into it. I, I saw an article that, that you published that well it was uh, it was in, in a press release that said that if you have somebody who's over 65 and they've been playing football for X number of years their cells are 11 years younger than somebody of the same age who has not been playing football or has not been physically active C can you explain that to me please of course I can um, we've done a lot of, uh, of studies uh, randomized control trials uh, looking into the training effects of football we have looked into the effects of just three months of training six months of training one year of training and then uh, in a recent study five years of training for prostate cancer patients but we have also done some uh, cross-sectional studies looking uh, into the physical fitness uh, looking into uh, uh, the body composition of uh, lifelong football players. So, mm -hmm. so uh, men that have been playing football since they were kids. Okay. Uh, and uh, we've looked into um, the comparison between those that have played lifelong and those that are untrained and have not done regular uh, sporting activities uh, throughout their life. And when we are comparing uh, lifelong football players with uh, untrained age matched uh, individuals, uh, we see huge differences. Uh, for example, we see uh, a bone mineralization uh, of the 70-year-old football players that are equal to 25-year-old untrained men. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, a granddad wow. has uh, the same uh, bone mineralization, the same bone strength as uh, uh, as, a, as a grandson, uh, an untrained grandson. Wow! And then I then I say to the youngsters, "This is a wake-up call. Come on, your your granddad has just as strong bones as uh, as you, and uh, your granddad has the same postural balance as you, as an untrained 25-year-old, and uh, and that's a wake-up call." Um, at the same time, we have been looking into the biological uh, age uh, and the aging effects of, uh, of football. And uh, we see a number of positive effects on, for example, mitochondrial function, which uh, is, uh, is very interesting. And at the same time, we've also been looking at the, the, the telomere length uh, of the uh, lymphocytes. And uh, we have also been looking at the telomerase activity and uh, and those are so, so telomere telomere length that's every time a cell you have your chromosomes and then every time a cell divides the telomeres are, are the bit at the end of the chromosome and they get shorter every yeah, time a cell exactly. divides yeah and actually uh, the, the lifelong football players have really long telomeres and it looks as if uh, the football uh, is preventing the shortening of the telomeres so and, and 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 looking into the normal development we have seen that the football players have yeah, 11 years younger cells. So, um, and, I, and I, I made some jokes when I entered the pitch uh, as a 51-year-old. And uh, then I said, uh, the longer I play, the younger I get. So uh, my wife will get a young man back home uh, after, <laughs> after, after today's match. Um, and when I had my 50th birthday, uh, I, I, I said to my research group, uh, I'm turning 39. Uh, <laughs> because I've been playing football uh, for... Uh, 46 years now, which should be enough to, to get a huge effect uh, on the telomeres as well. So, so in our cells, there's some self-destruct mechanisms. There's the, the shortening of the telomeres. There's also some uh, senescence uh, uh, mRNA production that kind of 
encourage the cell death is that, is that correct or yeah you can you can say that i mean we need to study this further yeah. of course we, we are currently planning uh, studies looking into uh, making long-term interventions with uh, with the people that are 60 plus and that have not been uh, playing football uh, throughout their lives and w when we when we did that uh, a couple of years ago uh, looking into uh, bone strengths, looking into postural balance and muscle strengths, um, fitness variables, for example, uh, maximal oxygen uptake. We found out that those that started as unskillful football players with no experience and, and, and very untrained, they could um, they could uh, really benefit from starting at an old age. So we saw that the two thirds of of the difference in maximal oxygen uptake was um, was um, gained by one year of training for a 70 year old and for example the uh, the difference in postural balance between lifelong football players and and untrained 70 year olds were also uh, minimized by one year of football training but uh, in terms of the telomeres uh, longer time is needed so some, sometimes we say in our research group uh, you're never too young to start training. Yeah. You know, many people say you're never too old to start training, but we still encourage people to start at a really young age because then you'll get all the benefits. Yeah. But of course, obviously, if you haven't been physically active uh, and, and you have um, been um, untrained for, for quite a while, you have uh, lifestyle diseases, etc., then it's a very, very good idea to start even at, a, at an old age. So the, the earlier you start, the better, but it's never too late to start. Exactly. P Peter, do you have a, a, a closing summary for, you, for your uh, project and the benefits of football? I think I'll just uh, like to repeat what I started up with. Uh, football is medicine, uh, football is uh, for all, and uh, football is for life. It's an optimal uh, way to combine uh, effective training with, uh, with uh, fun and uh, camaraderie. Well, Peter, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to, to come here and, and see a football match and get, get chatting with you. So we're a bit, bit smarter about the science of football and the benefits of it. You're welcome. I enjoyed this as well. So cheers. Well. Cheers. Thanks. I sure hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. His work is just so so interesting. It's it's nice that the, the take-home message is football can be prescribed, prescribed as a medicine. Football helps everybody of all ages. The longer you play it, the, the greater its health impacts. And it can improve your health and increase your, your lifespan. And that's something I certainly didn't know this morning. It all really makes sense because if you just look at our species, how we evolved, we are the only animal that doesn't have any hair so we can sweat. We stand on two legs and we have a big butt. So we have a lot of power to an endurance to to keep going so i'm certainly inspired now to not just watch the next game of football and to cheer for denmark but to actually kick a ball about myself i'm going to leave the last word to another couple of players from the team that we were watching as we were recording this episode Susanna and robert both 77 and they can also testify to the to the benefits football has, has given them. Before I go, I want to ask you to, to fill out the, the the podcast review form that's linked in the description. And if you do like the podcast, recommend it to a friend, share it on social media, or give us a review. Next week, we'll be back with the last episode of this season before the summer holiday. And we'll be talking with Professor Susanna Mandrup, who is a, an expert on well, fat cells, and I sure hope uh, ours, uh, ours reduce in size as we play football during the week. I'm Michael McGee. Cheers to science. Can you introduce yourselves, please? My name is Robert Wickens. Yeah. Um, I'm from Frankston. Yeah. I play football fitness and have done for the last seven years. Okay. Hello, I'm Susanna Andersen. I'm Danish. I live in Frankston too, and I am... Uh, 77 years old. I started last year. Okay. Well, I, I just saw you guys uh, play football. Yes. Uh, I saw your team play football. Yes. And uh, 
Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun. Yes. It, you were really getting stuck into it. You were, you were, the, the ball was up and down the pitch. You know, there was moments of aggression, but mostly smiles. Yes, and we love it. We love it. <laughs> That's the idea, in yes. fact. Okay. Yeah. Exercise great, and yes. have fun at the same yeah. time. Yeah. We have great fun. Yeah. It, it, so you said you you were uh, you started last year. You said you started seven years ago. When we're, I was, yeah. We're, 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 how old are you now? Robert? I'm 77. 77. We're 77. Yeah, same age. Okay. Were you playing football before? No, never. Never played no. football. So the first time you played football, yes, you were 76 years of age. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I played cricket. Cricket. <laughs> I played golf, Good. but not anymore. My arm couldn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> so I took the feet instead. Cricket's a different sport. I remember going to, to watch the actual English national team at cricket, and they were drinking beers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, we, well, we drink a lot of beers as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. After football. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, after football, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's uh, that's part of the social side. So I'm doing a podcast called Science and Beers, and we, we talk science and we drink beers because beers kind of create the social setting that we where we can discuss science. You know? So, but can you can you guys tell me the the, the impact of joining Mumps of Football, Grandmother Football? Yeah. What has it improved your health? Definitely, yes. Yeah. Uh, come around, exercise every week. Um, yeah, a lot of running, a lot of uh, jumping around. Uh, it definitely has improved my health. What about you? Yes, uh, I've had um, for blood uh, yeah. pressure. Blood pressure. Blood pressure. Yes. And I don't need any medical. Yeah. No, can, not can, so. can, you, can you feel the difference with, in your health now compared to two years ago? Yes, I'm not tired anymore. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. so it's given you more so energy. More energy and uh, a very. Um, it's uh, exciting to play and see all the people and have fun together. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It is a very, I think the social side of it is it probably is very just good. as important as the fitness yes. side of it. Yes, yeah. it is. Very important. Yeah. We have it a really good team. Yeah, and that is, of course, uh, it, that is because we have a very good uh, leader, uh, Orsa, that started Orsa the club seven good. years ago. She, uh, she has made sure that everybody yes. fits in, plays well, enjoys themselves. Nice. And all are welcome. Yeah. If you are, have passed sixteen. Yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got a few year, years yeah, to go. So you have to wait. I'll, I'll, I'll see you in another. What <laughs> yes. is this? Twenty five years. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, yes. Th- thanks very much for chatting yeah. to me. And we are uh, playing all the year in snow yeah. and storm. We, and we meet every week. Every week. Yeah. All. Uh, yeah. yeah, all the year round. Outside? Yeah. Is it outside or inside? Yeah, outside. Outside, outside in the yes. snow? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In the snow. And, that, that, that's, and, that's and we dedication. can see the grass down under. That, that's dedication, but I think that, that dedication speaks volumes to uh, to the community that's yeah. built around yeah. the team. Because, uh, you know, you might be discouraged to go out whenever the weather is horrible, but if you yeah. really have a nice team, you look forward to seeing, we are seeing people. Yeah. When it's raining? When it's raining, it's yeah, raining, we don't worry we about are, the rain. Yeah. No, 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 we just continue. Yeah. It's hardcore.